0: Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time we didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and things of that nature. You can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y. Very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install, and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys. Or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's it guys. You got four months of power here, and you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. Uh, Ufi is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days. Wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out or perhaps have the security of knowing that you've got video surveillance? Anytime somebody comes to your door, we absolutely can. Make sure that you look for Eufy Video Lock. That's visit E U F. Official.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete troll of your door. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits, we'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Takovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard, and quite a Maroon Friday it is, as your Mississippi State men's basketball team has advanced to the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament. They will take on third-seeded Tennessee. We'll have uh, a lot of that to discuss today. And uh, as as you are listening to this, I am likely already on the way to Gainesville, Florida. I'm recording this uh, late Thursday night to post, and I'll be getting up early and headed to Gainesville to uh, to cover Mississippi State's SEC opening series at the Florida Gators. Uh, excited to do that. First time to go cover a baseball game down in Gainesville, and uh, sure, we'll see some old friends while we're down there. How about that? So we'll break all that down. But, uh, yeah, a lot to talk about as always. But, uh, you know, the, the SEC men's tournament's going on, SEC Baseball weekends are opening this weekend. So there's just a lot of things to be excited about. And before before I forget, because this continues to be a persistent question, okay? We find out where the women will be playing Monday evening. We will find out Monday evening. So selection Sunday for the men's bracket is this Sunday. And then selection Monday for the women is this Monday. So there are a lot of people that continues to be a question and that uh, people continue to say, "Well, Steve, are, are we a one seed? When do we find out?" That's when we find out on Monday. Now, one of the things that we are assured of is that next weekend Mississippi State will host the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. While well, that hasn't been officially announced, it is assured because of the fact that State will finish and is one of the top 16 teams and will, will frankly be one of the top four or five teams. And so it's a shoe in for State to host. So the, I understand that the tickets for the lower bowl already sold out, still some tickets available. It will be very close to a sellout, it will be a near capacity crowd. So go ahead. If, if you're waiting, For that selection Monday, you might wait too late. So go ahead and make those plans. Go ahead and call the Mississippi State Ticket Office today. Go ahead and uh, buy your tickets. Big, big weekend coming up. There's so much going on. Because next weekend, as exciting as this weekend is, next weekend, the Mississippi State men will be playing an NCAA tournament. The Mississippi State women will be hosting the NCAA tournament. Mississippi State baseball will be hosting Auburn. And so there's going to be a lot of activity on campus. And so go ahead and understand right out of the gate, parking is going to be a problem next weekend. It is going to be a problem. So plan ahead, leave early, give those fine folks that are out there to kind of direct traffic, give them a break. Many of them have no idea where you're supposed to be. Take some personal responsibility. I know sometimes it's difficult to find information, but what if we had a machine to give us this information. What if we could go to our computer and go to the Mississippi State website and find out in advance where, these, uh, where my parking pass was. And the way that it normally works is that basketball parking trumps baseball parking. So where you park on Friday night, let's say for an example you've got a parking pass to uh, women's basketball and baseball. Where you park Friday night you won't probably be able to park there on Saturday. So go ahead and Prepare for that. I'm trying to save you and everybody else around you a lot of aggravation. Because I can tell you every single time that I make that drive between Dirty Noble Field and the parking lot to the left and ease up on around the hump, there is always a bottleneck of people that simply don't know where to go. And they're asking these other people, these event management people, and they are kind people. Like everything else. I mean, there's some better than others. But they, they don't know where you're supposed to be. So again, I don't want to belabor the point. Plan ahead. It's going to be a very exciting, enjoyable weekend on the Mississippi State campus next weekend. But there will be a lot of people here, so plan in advance. Get here early. It won't hurt you to get here an hour earlier than normal. You're probably going to need it, and we need your attendance. Okay, simple as that. Want to thank our fine sponsors and uh, guys. It's one of the things that uh, I knew was always a criticism of the show. Uh, before is the fact that uh, you know I started with a couple sponsors and it went to three, or four sponsors, and then at times we had as many as six sponsors, and that's one of the reasons I started doing longer shows. It's because of the fact that I didn't want you guys to feel shortchanged on your content, so I would do longer shows to accommodate those. Uh, you know, and a lot of those aren't my choice. You know, I didn't make a I didn't make a nickel off a lot of that stuff. But the bottom line was we all do things we don't you know ordinarily get uh, any any bonus funds for in our jobs. But uh, the bottom line is this. Campus Bookmart has been with me for years now, and uh, very grateful to Stan Ray and, and Campus Bookmart for their belief in me and for sticking with us. And they were actually with another show uh, on, on Visporto, and that show went away. They came and, and joined the Boneyard family, and they, it's been a great relationship. I absolutely love everybody over there. I, I see them around town in Walmart and, and places like that because that's the epicenter of Octibaha County. But these people care about you okay and it's not just there's a lot of places that want your money okay and it's as simple as that There are a lot of people that have a business to run but you know these people are friends and uh, these are bulldog folks these are Starkville people that are dedicated to your community and so i'm going to encourage you to throw your business your mississippi state merchandising business and campus Bookmarks direction uh fine folks if you can't make it to town to go by and meet Stan and Miss Kathy and the whole crew there, because when you walk in the door, they're going to treat you like a million dollars, because everybody in there is always so happy to see you. But if you can't make it in to have the in-person experience, go to campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and save all save shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. So, uh, let's get into it. The big news tonight, Mississippi State knocks off Texas A&M. Really, you know, a pretty you know, pretty uneventful day, I guess you would say, at the SEC tournament. I mean, the, um, the only upset, and I use that with Dr. Evil quotes, upset, was Alabama over Ole Miss. And I kind of shared with you guys earlier this week, that was not a good matchup for Ole Miss. And while Alabama was the 10th seed, I don't really feel that was an upset. Alabama absolutely destroyed Ole Miss in Tuscaloosa here a few weeks ago. And so I expected that game uh, to be a very competitive one on a neutral floor. Uh, it's Everybody plays a little different away from their home arena. But Alabama is just not a good matchup for Ole Miss. And this time of year, basketball is almost always about matchups, especially on a neutral floor like this. And I just felt like, and you, if those of you that watched the game today, uh, and it, what a great day it was. I mean, really, it was a great day to watch uh, SEC basketball. I watched three of the four games today. I missed the Florida-Arkansas game, slept in today. Uh, but I'll tell you, the uh, the Ole Miss-Alabama game, just watching that game kind of unfold, Alabama did what they wanted to do inside, and they were just simply tougher. They were simply tougher. And it's one of those things, too, and I, I read some of the comments on social media. And one of the things I'll tell you, the best and worst thing about social media is that everybody can use it. And so people put these hot takes out there, and I heard people complaining about the officiating, saying that the, uh, the free throws are really lopsided in Alabama's favor. You know, I, I don't agree with that. Uh, and what, I, what I'll say by that is the, the statistics are kind of misleading there because Ole Miss settled for the jump shot. You know, they are really a perimeter team. Terrence Davis, you know, the, those guys, you know, Brennan Tyree, they're guys that can, that can really hurt you from outside. And uh, we saw all every game today – Without exception, I believe, especially the first ten minutes or so, everybody kind of struggled shooting in those uh, Bridgestone Arena rims. Everybody it took a while for everybody to kind of adjust. I don't know if the hitting, if the, pardon me, if the shooting background is off a little bit, but the bottom line was, it took a while for the offense to kind of get going today. Uh, but so, so Ole Miss kind of settled for those shots. You know, they had the big lead early. I guess they were up what 13-14 at the half. And then Alabama comes storming back, and uh, Ole Miss only scores 19 points, and uh, that's that's kind of you know atypical for what we've seen. You you've seen Tyree and Terrence Davis kind of get to the rack and get to the line. Uh, they didn't do that, and uh, it was really more about Ole, Ole Miss's style of play uh, rather than uh, officiating. And so that was the game before our game. I know many of you probably watched you know the doubleheader because you wanted to see Ole Miss lose, see Mississippi State win, so you got your wish today. Uh, Mississippi State, I really thought outstanding play right out of the gate. Lamar Peters comes up there and drops just a three-point bomb, just I mean, right out of the gate. And uh, you just kind of had a feeling when when Lamar is bringing energy and he's able to hit that outside shot, because it's it's already so difficult for people to stay in front of him. But when he can hit from outside, it, Mississippi State is almost impossible to beat. It's just as simple as that because. All of a sudden, you have to respect that. Now, there were some times tonight, too, that uh, Lamar got a little bit over his skis a little bit. There were a couple times that Lamar got a little bit out of control. Uh, but I really thought Lamar played with a lot of great energy tonight. And so, as a result, uh, State was a very good offensive team. And I did think at times in the second half, uh, State, you could tell, was kind of mailing it in. The final score, 80-54, to 54, uh, Lamar Peters, 15 points uh, for the Bulldogs. Robert Woodard leads with eight rebounds, and then Q. Weatherspoon with nine assists. Uh, that's kind of a reversal of fortune. Then uh, Q. With three steals and, and uh, also a block there. Speaking of blocks, I thought Abdul Adu played exceptional tonight. I really thought he was very, very good. You know, not a great offensive force, obviously, but he alters so many shots. And there's so many times too. It's it's not just his play; it's kind of the anticipation of his play. Uh, that makes him a difference maker. Like people expect him to get up and block a shot. So he gets in their heads and kind of alters a shot. And so as a result, kind of forces some bad shots. But uh, Tyson Carter with 14 points again. And what more can we say about Tyson? I mean, in Nick Weatherspoon's absence, uh, Tyson Carter has been everything Mississippi State needed and then some. He has been an energy guy. He's done a great job getting his hands in passing lanes and getting some steals there picks in 14 points tonight for State. Uh, Q throws in a dozen, but man, I tell you, it seemed like he did more. It seemed like Q was everywhere and kind of involved in everything. And I mentioned the stat sheet, you know, he he led State in most statistical categories uh, other than scoring. This kind of shows you how well-rounded his game has become. And uh, I thought when he came out and dropped that big three early on, uh, made that first three. It kind of it, it was another another good kind of a harbinger of things to come for A&M because all of a sudden you've got Lamar heading from outside and Tyson hitting from outside and Q and so all of a sudden the spacing on the floor has to change. You've got to get out there and respect that three point shot because State absolutely killed them um, here in in Starville over the weekend. I believe it was 13 three pointers. I believe that's correct, but uh, State drops a lot of three balls and then as a result they had to get out there and challenge those shots and so when state began to hit that early it opened up some driving lanes and uh, again thought Lamar was able to kind of get in there and sometimes you know, may, may have made it unnecessary pass maybe be a little more selfish kind of moving forward uh, but nevertheless great night for the bulldogs and, uh, and and again it's one of those things when you begin to think about it uh, you get you get Perry and Woodard going down low on the putbacks and you get the guys hidden from outside and then, then they're able to get to the line, uh, It's State's difficult to beat. The worst matchup in the Southeastern Conference for Mississippi State, in my opinion, is Tennessee. I have said that on this show many times before. Tennessee is so physical on the interior, and State's long and lean. And I, and I think now that, you know, that Perry and Woodard have seen Schofield and Grant Williams up close, they've had a chance to kind of get in there and bang with them a little bit. You know, maybe we're a little more prepared. You know, this time last year, remember State gave Tennessee all they wanted and then some uh, at the FCC tournament and Nick Weatherspoon got cleaned out, you know, and they brought the stretcher out there. I uh, you know, really thought State had a chance to win that ball game last year. I expect a similar effort this time because I don't think that, uh, you know, it, we, we talked about the. Uh, how it's difficult to get into a flow offensively early. If that trend continues uh, tomorrow... Uh, you've got to like State's chances to have already played in the gym and has and put up a lot of points. And, uh, you know, State really coasted uh, late in that ball game against A&M. State easily could have hit 100 points in that game. Uh, I, I really believe that. You know, I think A&M pretty much quit in the second half too. But uh, how an the bench. But the fact that you've had some success in their shooting already and then Tennessee will go out there and then they will have an opportunity to have to adjust – State needs a good start, and State has historically been a slow-starting team under Ben Howen. So if you're able to get out early, I think that is so unbelievably important in a game like that because of the fact, over the course of time and that that, that game within the game, when you've got Schofield down there banging on Eric Coleman and, and, uh, and Reggie Perry, uh, they have won that battle of attrition the last few times. And so State, I believe, has to kind of answer that physicality. You've got to be able to make some shots early to kind of open some things up uh, but I'm eager to see, you know, the growth pattern of uh, Reggie Perry and uh, Robert Woodard now that they have experienced because there's really nobody else in the league that is built quite like Tennessee. Kentucky, of course, uh, you know you know what you're going to get with, with, with Kentucky. But honestly, I think Kentucky is probably an even better matchup for State than Tennessee just because of the fact that Tennessee, these guys have been around a couple of years. They've played against Mississippi State. They kind of know our tendencies, know the sets that we want to run, know our personnel group. Uh, Kentucky's a little bit different. I really think state gave Kentucky, uh, you know, a really, really, really good game when they came to Starkville, and uh, I really believe if state can get through Tennessee, if Ben can get them out of the crowd, out of the clouds, I think you've got an opportunity then to uh, to come back and win that ball game against Kentucky. And so I really believe, in many respects, this ball game uh, tomorrow night might determine who gets to Sunday. I think that's uh, I think that's a real possibility for sure. But the bottom line is that, you know, State's got you know a lot to work with now, you know, and uh, got some confidence. But, uh, again, this is a personnel problem for State. And so we'll work through it and see what happens. Uh, I'll remind you guys, too, when you're in town, Bulldog Burger Company is absolutely the best place to go break bread. So many great options to choose from there. So many great friends there. Uh, love going there. It is absolutely the Robertson family restaurant of choice. Anytime that we say, hey, listen, we're going to go out to eat. Where do you guys want to go? At least one, if not two, of the kids say, hey, Dad, let's go to Bulldog Burger Company. I really want to get the pickles. I really want to get the spring rolls. Uh, I really want to go get the sweet heat chicken sandwich. And so you go find your family favorites uh, when you are in town. And uh, it is the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District. And you, know, you can close off the night and go by there and have an adult beverage if you'd like after a ball game. And so uh, it is a place that is uniquely Starkville. And so we encourage you to patronize those uh, that are Starkville businesses. And this is certainly one of them. This is uh, you know some institutions, some some restaurateurs Uh, from this great city of ours that have been in business a long time. And the Bulldog Burger Company, uh, you know, is part of that great family of restaurants here in Starkville. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So looking ahead to uh, baseball this weekend, we're going to play baseball, and it's going to be a big series. I don't know if you're aware of this. Mississippi State's actually won the last two season series against the University of Florida. Did not play in 2017 in the regular season. But we go back to 2016. You guys may remember uh, Reed Humphrey coming in, closing out a Sunday ball game for us to win the series. We won two of three in Florida in 2016. They come back and beat us in an SEC tournament game. And then in 2017, we did not play in the regular season. They get us in the SEC tournament game again and then last year we sweeped them. So we've won the last two regular season series against Florida. For, for that reason, you know they're going to be up to play Mississippi State. Not to mention, in fact, it's the SEC opener, but State got the better of them last year. State enters the game, uh, you know, playing really, really well. We had a chance to uh, to speak with Coach Chris Limones after Wednesday's ballgame against Grambling State. State now 16-1 after an 18-1 shelling of Grambling that pretty much went to script, other than the fact that uh, state ran themselves out of some scoring early in the ball game, and then actually went down one nothing, uh, thanks to a pair of errors in the um, in the inning there. I guess in the fourth inning, we could uh, ha- had a little bit of a, a problem at second. Uh, Gunner had a chance to get a double play, sharply hit ball back up the middle, had a little trouble getting it out of his glove. Rather than risking the double play, he takes a sure out at first. Uh, but ordinarily, you'd think that's a play he's going to make. And then Justin Foscue was not charged with both errors. They were both his problem. Uh, and listen, that's going to be okay. Foscue's bringing so much for you as it is. And um, he, he's an intelligent you know, player. He, he's a guy that will figure it out. But he did have a couple of errors that opened the uh, the door for them to score. And then State responded immediately and put up two runs uh, in the bottom half of the inning to retake the lead. And then from there, it was all Mississippi State. So they put up five in the fifth, five in the sixth, four in the seventh, two in the eighth, and, of course, didn't have to hit in the ninth. But uh, happy to see some guys hit the baseball. And, listen, you know, some of these midweek games for State have not been against a lot of great quality competition, and, and you could say the same for, for Florida, and we're going to get on that a little bit later. But uh, you start getting some guys going again, you know, and that's what happened on uh, on Wednesday. Mangum, four for five. On the night and, and picks up a career hit 300, becoming the fifth Bulldog all time uh, to hit 300. Uh, so that that's a uh, that's a milestone and uh, got a really good chance to set the school record. There a really good chance to do it. Matter of fact, I expect him to do it. I think he's. I think he and Antoine Duplantis from LSU will both likely surpass uh, Eddie Furnace's numbers at um, from LSU. He is the uh, the current leader. Uh, I think that both those guys have a real chance to get there. But uh, but Mangum, four for five, and and that's good to start getting him going. He is a, He's our guy. And so to have him at the top of the order, and he's such a tough out and such a ball player, uh, you don't want to face him. He's not a guy that's going to hurt you deep, but he's just a guy that extends innings. He's a guy that gets clutch hits. And so for him to go put up four and then score four runs for us, even better. Uh, Jordan Westberg had a couple of hits, but Outside of Mango, I think the best night at the plate has to go to Tanner Allen. And Tanner went one for 12 over the weekend. Really struggled uh, over the weekend against um, against Maine. You know, and that's we really thought that series because of the fact that those guys hadn't won a lot of ball games it would be a chance for us to kind of get fat. We win those ball games. We didn't necessarily hit the baseball as well as I had hoped. Uh, but this weekend, uh, Tanner goes one for 12, and then comes back and goes three for three. I Actually had six plate appearances. Three walks, three hits, scores four runs, puts a couple of RBIs in there. Uh, that's a good night at the plate from your cleanup hitter. Uh, so, pardon me, former cleanup hitter. He's in three-hole for us now. But then Mac has uh, has the big fly, hits the grand slam to left. And, and, guys, I'll tell you, it sailed over that first row of left field lounges out there. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody's got their little spot. That thing went like 380. And, uh, you know, if he'd had just, you know, one more bowl of oatmeal that morning, it, it probably leaves the yard. It, it might have even hit the lofts. He absolutely crushed that ball. And there was some wind blowing right to left. So I'm sure that probably helped a little bit. But uh, it's good to kind of get him going too. He has really hit the ball well. Eight for his last 13. Now five RBIs on Wednesday. Uh, so big night for him. He actually gave way to Bryce Brock later in the ball game. Bryce picks up his first hit as a Mississippi State Bulldog. He Bryce is a... Uh, positional guy, pitcher guy. He'll do a little bit of everything for us, but uh, glad to see him go out there and put the ball in play. Foskey, uncharacteristic with an overnight night, and usually we can always count on Foskey hitting the ball hard. He did hit the ball hard a couple of times. There's not much to show for it. Uh, Landon Jordan gets in the game late. Didn't do much there, but, you know, Landon's a guy that we expect to be a star for us going forward. Uh, got a lot of, you know, got a lot of the catchers and got everybody in, actually. Got Hayden Jones in the ball game. Got Luke Hancock. Hancock with a pair of hits. Josh uh, Josh Hatcher. DHs, it puts, gets in a couple of hits, including a triple. Marshall Gilbert comes in as a pinch hitter, played some at first. And we had heard in the fall that, that was going to be a possibility. And he, he did get in there and play a little bit. Uh, doesn't have a, a huge wingspan. He's not a, he's not West Ray by any stretch of the imagination. But it's nice to have some options there. You've got Tanner Allen. You've got Josh Hatcher. Uh, you've got Marshall Gilbert. So it's, you've got some guys in there that, you, that can kind of move around and play a little bit for you. Uh, Rowdy Jordan was relieved later in the ball game by Brad Cumbest. Brad actually had an 0-3 for 3 night uh, with the strikeout, but he hit one ball I thought was going to get out there on a regular night. It probably does. The, uh, the, the, the strong wind from right kind of knocked it down. Uh, Gunnar Halter, one for two on the night with three walks, scored four runs. And that's what happens when you have a guy kind of hiding in the reeds as a nine-hole hitter. When you've got a guy down there that can get on base for you, and they get and turn the order back over for you, and and then you've got your all-American center fielder hitting right behind him. And so that is a that is good baseball there. That is good lineup ordering. That is good coaching. And so you're getting what you want to get out of Gunner. So he gets on base, and all of a sudden Jake is facing a pitcher in the stretch with a man on. Uh, and a guy with speed, so anything in the gaps likely going to score. A gunner, so everything in that respect worked to Mississippi State's advantage uh, offensively. Uh, Peyton Plumlee Kozak gives you, gives you three innings. Uh, State couldn't put anything up there, so he doesn't get the victory. Eric Sarantola picks up his third win. He had a little anxiety there in, in the uh, I guess it was the four, fourth inning. When we had the errors and uh, defense kind of let him down. He was getting some ground balls. Uh, they weren't making the play, and that's got it. That's that's been uncharacteristic of this team. But all of a sudden, over the course of the last couple ball games, we're starting to see more of that. We're starting to see some defensive miscues. Well, you know, you would like to be trending in the other direction. Uh, so that's got to get cleaned up as we get into SEC play. You can't. You certainly can't give SEC teams extra outs because even a team like Grambling. Listen, Grambling's good in their league, but they don't score without Mississippi State's help, and so State gives them a run there. Uh, Brandon Smith comes out, pitches well again. Tyler Spring, this is another guy, nobody's really talking about him, but he's been very impressive uh, in every appearance we've had for him. Raleigh Self comes out, uh, has has had a good inning go in and then gives up a couple of hits, but uh, he's working back from that entry. That's where these midweek games are for us to get these guys some, some opportunities to pitch. Spencer Price comes in, pitches the ninth, does a good job. Uh, Tyler Spring goes uh, uh, one inning, allows just uh, one hit, no runs. Uh, Riley Self, the one inning, gives up a couple of hits, does have a strikeout. Spencer Price uh, allows a hit and uh, gets a couple strikeouts. And so I think the way that Coach Foxall and Coach Lamontis are managing this pitching situation is very good. The guys that have some work to do, whether it be kind of rehabbing injuries or guys that they're kind of grooming to be weekend guys down the road, they're eating up those midweek innings. And then you've got a guy like Peyton Plumley in the event that you have some an injury or some ineffectiveness on the weekend, you can move him right in there on the weekend and then still have Sarantola to pitch because we're, we're about to kind of rotate out of this two midweek games per week deal. And so now you've, you, you've, you've used these 17 games to kind of season these arms and get them ready. And so we're heading into SEC play, pitching it about as well as we can. R- really, really pitching it well. Uh, save for a couple of errors. Uh, the, uh, the Wednesday night game, That's a complete shutout. And then, uh, you know, we had the one meltdown inning, the fifth inning on Sunday. But outside of that, there's been really nothing to complain about when it's come to these pitchers. And uh, everybody seems to be – everybody we trot out there seems to be filling up the zone, seems to be throwing strikes, pitching to contact. I mean, you, you look at Tower Springs' numbers just from Wednesday. He gets through the inning with 13 pitches, folks. Brandon Smith, the pitcher before him, guess what, 15 pitches. Raleigh self 17, gives up a couple of hits. But, uh, you know, for a reliever, you know, we want a guy to be, to be pitching the contact, allowing the defense to work, especially in an 18-to-1 ball game. And it's been surprised 14 pitches. And so w- what's happening is you're not you're not racking up a lot of innings or a lot of pitches thrown for these guys. And so they're going to be fresher later. And that's always been the issue over the course of the last four or five years. It's the guys get a little arm-weary. But the way the Fox Hall's managing this thing and kind of allocating innings for everybody, getting everybody some innings but not – not overworking these arms, it gives you a lot of confidence. So let's get into the Florida Gators. Uh, They they made a change last weekend to their weekend rotation. They had been trotting out there and uh, having Tyler Dyson as their Friday guy, and then uh, Tommy Mace as their Saturday guy, and then Jack Lefwich on Sunday. They bumped Dyson to Sunday and moved everybody up a day last weekend, and uh, that is what we expect to see this weekend. We expect uh, Tommy Mace to throw... Uh, the Friday night game uh, for the Gators. And so that'll be he versus uh, Ethan Small. Uh, the, Florida has had, they have had some pitching issues, but it's been mainly in the midweek. Uh, they haven't given up a ton of runs on the weekends. Uh, they have scored a lot of runs on the weekends, but they haven't really played anybody. I mean, looking at, the, uh, at their non-conference, their weekend schedules, uh, they open against Long Beach State and they sweep them uh and really the dirt bags have fallen a long way that they, they really have. The, the Long Beach State program used to be a great program they're currently 2 and 13 uh they got swept by Ole Miss you know and uh, they they've gone out and played you know been been willing to sign some contracts and go play on the road uh but they get swept in three games 8-2 5-2 two, two, and 3-1 so just five runs scored for uh, for the dirt bags on that weekend uh against Florida then Florida turns around and they drop a game to South Florida, 6-1 to in the midweek, and then the very next day, they drop a 7-1 decision to North Florida. Well, here's the deal I'll tell you about that, is while your midweek pitchers are different, your midweek hitters are the same. And so uh, those guys playing against, you know, G5-type programs and then not scoring a lot of runs, I, I think it's a concern. Then the next weekend they go play uh, Miami at their place, in Gainesville, pardon me, they lose that first ball game to Miami 5-2 and then they win the final two nine three to four to one. Then they beat Jacksonville late in a five4 ball game, Jacksonville, the University of Jacksonville from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, they very easily could have won that ball game. The next night, what do they do? They drop a 129 decision to Central Florida. So they, they've lost a lot of these games to these directional schools. Uh, Miami, you know you know we know Miami, Miami's going to be a good program. Uh they'll be a regional team most years. The men will always host, but they're just they're 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 a program. You know, we know from experience. I mean that, that team is always, always gonna field a decent team. They're a little bit younger this year. That's one of the things that people talked about how big a series that was for Miami to, to be able to go to Florida and, and, and nearly win the series when they won the Friday night game, there was a lot of talk among the national uh, college baseball analysts that uh, that would be a huge win, uh, you know, for Miami because everybody has so much respect for Florida. And some of that, I don't know, is, you know, some of that is is respect for Sully. I mean, it's like Coach O'Sullivan has won a national championship there and uh, they've produced so many great prospects. And so it's almost like you kind of expect them to be good rather than believing they're good, if you know what I'm saying. It's like you know what a good coaching staff and you know how well they've recruited. So you kind of kind of take for granted they're going to be a good, a good team. Uh, but I don't know that this is a great Florida Gators team yet. I think it could be. You got some really young guys on that team. And um, we're going to get into a little more of that uh, a little bit later in the show because uh, they've got some familiar names back, but some of the guys that are hitting the big flies for them are some young guys that they are expected to be stars uh, within this league. Florida uh, knocks out that Miami team, Miami 14 and three on the year. So that is a quality uh, series for them. And uh, Miami has uh, really put it together since then, only losing one game uh, since that Florida series. I mean, so, uh You can see that is a quality win and, and probably in hindsight it's going to look even better uh but uh, then they they go play Winthrop and uh Winthrop seven and nine on the year, and that that was almost like a church league softball type deal they be they went sixteen four twenty eight five and then five three on sunday and uh I don't know if the Florida bats were just simply tired of swinging at all those those meatballs they were seeing, but you know that's just one of those things you look at it's 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 a non conference affair early on just to kind of get some work for everybody. Then they have Florida Gulf Coast come in, and uh, in it for a midweek two-game set, Florida wins the first game 15 nothing, loses 7-2 to uh, in the second game, and then they take on the powerhouse of Yale last weekend. They win those games, and uh, much more competitive than I think people expected. They win Friday 6-5. They do blow them out Saturday 15-1, and then 14-3 on Sunday, uh, but Yale is not a good baseball team. They're 3-9. and nine. And so last weekend's when they made the change. So we again we expect Tommy Mace to pitch on Friday, and then uh, Jack Lefwich on Saturday, and then Tyler Dyson on Sunday. So all of those guys collectively 10 and 0. Lefwich 4 and 0. Mace 4 and 0. Dyson 2 and 0. Got a couple of no decisions in there. Uh, they did play a big ball game on uh, Tuesday against Florida State, won their ninth in a row. I think we talked about that on Wednesday's show, 20-7. And it was really one of those deals where Florida made Florida State pay for their mistakes, booted the ball around a lot, and then they would get in advantage counts and they'd make them pay. And uh, Florida State, in many respects, kind of gave the game away, and you could tell it got away from them because Mike Martin wasn't going to go out there and use, uh, you know, a weekend arm in a, in a midweek game. Uh, while that means a lot to the fans, I mean, I know Florida State's eager to go get their conference schedule underway and do a good job there. But uh, hitting, this is the thing about Florida, it's, it's so interesting. The, one, the guy that I can't—I I was so hoping would go in the draft last year and then we would never have to see him again is Nelson Maldonado. It's, he is it's a big game player. He's always been one of these guys that uh, finds a way to make things happen for Florida. He's hitting 368 on the year, uh, seven doubles, leads the team in that respect has a triple got a couple of home runs uh 17 rbis he's just one of those guys you always have to be careful with and he's a guy that always has seemed to have hurt mississippi state even in games that we've won he's always been a difficult out uh brady mcconnell actually leads a team right now uh he is a uh, sophomore infielder for them Six three one ninety five 195 uh, 389 on the year four doubles couple home runs uh he's a guy that's uh, hit nice slugging percentage too. He's going to be an extra base guy. And uh, Kendrick Callio is uh, that's another one of those guys hitting three seventy nine on base percentage, over a thousand. You know, he's he's played in every game, uh, got three home runs, a couple triples, and so he he's another difficult out. But he's one of those talented freshmen outfielders that they're expecting big things from. Judd Fabian is a guy that uh, he leads them in home runs as a true freshman. From Ocala, Florida, Trinity Catholic, and what a baseball power they are 6'1, 195, freshman outfielder. uh, You know, five hitting 345, five home runs, six doubles, 13 RBI. And so there are some guys there that will be seeing SEC pitching for the first time. So you expect there to be some adjustments. And that's one of the reasons where I'm kind of glad State gets these guys early. It's already so difficult to win on the road but Florida is going to get better as the season progresses. Now, you know, while State has a lot of veterans on this team, Florida kind of, you know, they're really more of a younger team, and they've got some guys that have played, you know, some support roles that are starting for the first time. Yeah, you've got a couple of names back that you're somewhat familiar with, but by and large, this is a team kind of finding a sense of themselves. So I really believe State has a real chance to go in there and win the series. I'm not, I'm not going to forecast a sweep. I remember last year, I... I just felt like we just needed to go get a game against Florida and ensure we got to Hoover, and then we end up sweeping the thing. Uh, I'm not ready to to call that because I think that uh, it's going to be a very difficult series, and I think whoever makes the first big mistake is going to lose the ball game. If we get the same pitching effort that we've gotten out of Ethan Small, JT Ginn, and Keegan James, I I think we're going to win the series. And uh, I don't expect it to be some church league softball thing. I think it's going to be, you know, every game is going to be competitive. Uh, but I believe with with Ethan Small's uh, fastball and the fact that he's able to kind of mix some things up there and keep hitters off balance, this is a money year for him, so this is a money game for him. This is one of these games that he needs to go out there and do a good job uh, and kind of show scouts that he's ready to go. And uh, there's a lot of talk last year about him being ready to go, but he's come back and um, and he's become the guy many of us hoped that he would be, and that's a dominant Friday night guy. Ask Coach Lamontis on Wednesday night, you know, Coach, you're one swing away. From being undefeated on the year. But, you know, record withstanding, are you about where you expected to be? Are you on schedule? Are you ahead of schedule? And you could kind of sense, um, you know, a little bit of pride in him that, you know, that we had played really well, but we can play better. And those sentiments were kind of echoed by Elijah Magnum as we just discussed with him. And you can see those videos for free on Gene's page. They're, they're posted uh, on social media just pretty, pretty much wherever you can go read and see what they had to say. Uh, but, Max says that uh, we're not firing on all cylinders. And he goes, that's the scary thing about this deal is that we're only going to get better. And uh, that's scary to think about. If you get Tanner Allen and Rowdy going again and think about the fact that you're not giving outs away and the fact that Tanner had such a big ball game on Wednesday, I don't know what adjustment was made. I don't know what happened with him. Maybe his biorhythms are lined up. I don't know. But if you get that Tanner Allen this weekend – and you get Justin Fiskew, because you've got four of your top four to five guys the four the first five guys in your order are hitting like 330 and better. And so if they can maintain that, and you expect some some variance when you get an SEC play because you're going to see better arms. But this is a, a golden opportunity for State to make a statement on the national level. And that's one of the things we've talked about all year long. People say, oh, Florida, Florida, Florida. Florida shouldn't be ranked ahead of us. Well, you know what? Now your team can go out there and right that wrong. I don't think Florida's better than Mississippi State, even in their own ballpark. I think in order for Florida to win this series, Mississippi State is going to need to assist Florida. You know, Florida doesn't have Jonathan India anymore, and, and he was the guy that has had some big games against Mississippi State. He was the guy early on, uh, came in with Jake Mangum. Uh, they were up for all those awards early on, and Jake won. But, you know, India put the power piece, kind of came along with him, and, and he ended up being a high draft pick last year. But he's gone. And so there's some holes in that Florida lineup. There are some guys with some real talent. They just don't have a lot of experience. And for many of them, they haven't faced a lot of pitching like they're going to see this weekend. Uh, I'm eager to see how JT Gin matches up. That's one of the things we all kind of worried about. Uh, You know, I don't know if worried is the right word, but uh, when we got ready to go play Texas Tech, even some of our fans were thinking, Hey, let's flip the rotation and have Ginn throw against Sam Houston and throw small against Texas Tech. Well, Rather than do that, Lamona stays with a rotation and then again goes out there and holds one of the most prolific offenses in the country to three hits. And so if we can get that kind of performance from him this weekend, we will win the series. That's that's exactly how I feel about it. I think this is a special baseball team at Mississippi State. And uh, the thing that I have noticed about them that may be a little different than, than the team last year is... Uh, there's not that one or two leaders. There is kind of this collective belief on the team that we're going to be really good, that we are a great baseball team that can, it can come back. We're, we don't have to get rattled. We don't have to jump out and beat teams 8-9 or nothing. We don't have to do that. We're capable of doing that, but we don't have to do that. The 18 runs Wednesday night, that's a season high for State. If I'm not mistaken, it's the fifth time this year or sixth time this year State scored 10 or more runs. Uh, so we're capable of putting up runs against bad pitching. And so when we get somebody on the ropes, we're, we're capable of finishing them. But we're also capable of winning these pitching duels. And uh, there's just not a lot of panic in this team. And looking at those numbers for you, the, the, your four guys, Mangum, th- 366, Westburg 361, Magnum, 351, Foscu 338. And for those of you that missed Wednesday's game, Westburg was back in the lineup. He did take a day off after kind of tweaking the hip, diving for a ground ball. But he's fine and ready to go. Ran, ran well, had a triple Wednesday night. So he's he's fine. No, no problems there. Uh, but this is a team, just being around them, you just kind of get a sense that they believe in each other. You know, last year we kind of had Jake Mangum and Hunter Stovall and some guys. You, you had leaders in pockets, if you know what I'm saying. So, so And it got went deeper in ball games sometimes. You never knew what to expect. I mean, Luke Alexander is a guy that had some big clutch hits for State, but he was kind of a 200 hitter most of the year. So he was really kind of hot and cold. He had some big hits, and other times he wasn't there. And then, you know, Hunter Stovall was a guy that at times was as hot as a firecracker, and then times he would kind of disappear. And, and there's some ebb and flow with the season last year. But the, the difference in this lineup and last year's lineup is this year there's a lot more guys in the lineup that can pick you up. Because it seemed like last year, once we got through five or six in the order, we were just kind of holding our breath to the thing turned over again. It just doesn't feel that way anymore. It doesn't it feel that way at all. And it just, it seems like now that Gunnar Halter is kind of acclimating to major college baseball, that, that we're getting to see the player we hoped we would see. Now, he still needs to work some things out defensively, okay? I'm not ready to hand that guy a golden glove or an all-SEC plaque or anything, but he is the guy that is beginning to acclimate, and we're beginning to get some production from him in that nine hole. Dustin Skelton is a guy that many people in this fan base were ready to run off last year. Dustin Skelton's your best defensive catcher. And if you don't believe me, ask your pitchers. They absolutely love throwing to that guy because they have the confidence in him that they can bounce that curveball up there. They can get a little wide and fast with his own sum because they know that he's going to block it up. Sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. And you've got a freshman guy like JT Ginn that has given up some stolen bases. Now, the average fan kind of charges Dustin Skelton with that. But there were a couple runs of of stolen bases when we were out in Frisco. Those were stolen completely on the pitcher. And I know J.T. Ginn would admit that. That's just – it's an inexperienced deal. And he will figure it out. He is a very talented player. He'll learn to hold runners a little bit better. He'll give his catcher more of a chance. But that's the thing. The progression of this team, of this program – is now Dustin Skelton is a guy now. And and I don't know who convinced him to put the goggles on, but let's keep him on, bud. Second on the team now at four home runs. And he hit an absolute root again blast the other night. And so you're beginning to get production in that bottom third. And that's what it takes for because everybody's got a, everybody's got weekend pitching. Everybody's got a three-hole hitter. Everybody's got a leadoff guy. But championship teams have a dangerous third bottom third in their order and they have a dangerous bullpen and that's what Mississippi State has Mississippi State is not dependent on one or two pitchers or dependent on one or two hitters that's one of the things I think when, you, when we look back in hindsight if this team stays healthy and continues to play hard and work hard this is a team that is capable of being a national seed Some other people may be scared to say that. I'm just going to tell you. When when you begin to look at how this thing is kind of coming together, and we'll get a real test this weekend. We'll get a real test, okay? Because we're going to see some guys that will eventually be major leaguers too. But it all starts with number 1-5. If Jake goes down there, leads off the game with a leadoff single, puts them in a stretch, and we can fight off and get a run across early in the ballgame, that's going to be huge for a guy like Ethan Small. And the thing that I remember when Jake was a freshman and uh, the very first interview I ever did with Jake Mangum was the week after the Vanderbilt series. And if you remember, a lot of people then were thinking, this is back in 16 when we won the, uh, won the SEC. Everybody was expecting us to go get swept at Vanderbilt. Nobody even went to cover, cover the series. And Mangum goes up there and, you know, becomes Jake. We, you know, we just knew that, hey, that's a kid from Jackson Prep. Now he's Jake, you know. But in these big games and in these big moments, Jake has elevated himself. And so people on this team look to Mangum to see how to act and to react. And so Jake is such a ball player, and Jake gets so locked in. Now that Jake is a senior, now that he's been to Omaha and had a taste of that, there's a different version of Jake, He's more committed now than ever. He's always been a hard-nosed ball player that will go get after you. But it's a different deal now because he's got some people around him that are kind of like-minded. You know when he and Brent Rooker were together? They did some huge things. And you go back and look at 16. I mean, think about the guys that were on that team, okay? Jake wasn't Jake yet. We were working our way into Jake. But you had Jack Kruger. You had Nathaniel Lowe. You had Brent Rooker on that team. You had Reed Humphreys, and I was told recently the Colorado Rockies people absolutely love Reed Humphreys. But you had you had some dogs on that team. Two thousand seventeen, you had a bunch of dogs leave. You remember Jack Krueger went on and left and didn't come back. We expected him to come back, and that kind of changed things because then we had to kind of throw some young catchers out there. Uh, that affected your pitching. Because you didn't, you had to be a little more perfect with things. Because you had some inexperience back there, you had the Eli Marrero thing. It was such a, a, roller coaster. You put Love, Lady back there. Guy gave you all he had. wasn't the most athletic catcher, but he gave you everything he had. wasn't wasn't a great offensive player, but he was a guy that pitchers could eventually could trust. And so it was a transition there, you know. And so, when you begin to look at us kind of building forward. And you look at this team, you look up and down this lineup, and you begin to think, you know what, we, we got some dogs on this team. And so that's the exciting part of this thing for me. But this weekend is going to be about going and proving it. It's, 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 it's one thing for us to sit here and talk about it. We can, we can all talk ourselves into a College World Series. But now they got to go play their way into it. And so this is a huge, huge, huge weekend. So let's take a quick look around the league before we get out of here. Uh, it is a, it is a big weekend, and everybody in the Southeastern Conference is in playing a, uh, a league series. Uh, State and Florida. The first pitch will be a be a six thirty pitch uh, Friday night. Be a big ball game. That's going to be SEC Network Plus. Every game this weekend, pardon me, every Friday night game is going to be on the app. So if you want to watch Mississippi State and to watch from other people, so State is at Florida tennessee is at auburn that's going to be an interesting series because both those teams have played pretty well in the non-conference i really like auburn there because they're home and i think auburn's got a little better pitching uh georgia is at south carolina georgia is kind of a trendy pick in the league a lot of people think because they have some power arms they're going to be really good so that's going to be an important series to watch south carolina's kind of been up and down in non-conference clemson got the better of them not sure how good clemson's going to be but um South Carolina kind of lingering in the top 25 there at the bottom of the rankings, but uh, we know what kind of program they've had historically. Missouri's at Arkansas. Uh, I think Arkansas's a tad overrated. They're very good at their in their home stadium. Uh, Missouri, not a very good team, arguably the worst team in the conference. So I would expect if Arkansas drops a game this weekend, I think that could really cost them later in the year. Uh, look for Arkansas to sweep that deal. Alabama's at Ole Miss. I don't know what to make of this Ole Miss team. Uh, they lose both midweek games to Louisville on the road up there. They lose midweek game to East Carolina last week. Uh, their pitching is not at all what it was advertised to be. Alabama, you know, who knows? You know, they've just kind of been an also-ran in this league for a long time. Ever since we've made the transition to the BB Corps bat, it seems like Alabama has really struggled uh, as a baseball program. Uh, that'll be rather interesting, uh, to say the least. Uh, you know, Alabama... Uh, one of these teams that uh, you know, you, it didn't make a lot of sense, I guess, um, you know, for them not to be good because of the fact that the, the, all the resources they have there. Alabama currently 16-2 and two overall, uh, but uh, not really impressed with the non-conference schedule. So this could be a, an opportunity for them. If they go win that series at Ole Miss, Ole Miss is in real trouble. Uh, Vanderbilt is on the road at A&M. A&M has pitched it pretty well. Hadn't hit it as well as we expected them to. Vanderbilt, uh, one in number one in some polls, two in others. Uh, still expected to be a great team. You know, we took their best shot last year and beat them, and so that'll be an interesting series because I really, I really don't want to see anybody sweep this weekend unless it's Mississippi State. I, um, my hope is, is we can get to this first weekend. We can pick up some ground on some people, and then Kentucky's at LSU. LSU drops a midweek game in Northwestern State this week, but Kentucky has dropped several themselves. Uh, Kentucky loses a lot of players from last year's team. This is kind of a rebuilding year for them. Nick Mangione, our good friend up there, uh, they're 13-4, and four, but uh, they don't have the team they had a year ago. Uh, and, and really nobody does, but they're missing some big bats in that lineup. So it'll be interesting. We really need them to go down there be pulling hard for Kentucky. I don't think Kentucky's got the staying power. But if they can go win a game or two from LSU, how big would that be for Mississippi State's pursuit uh, of an SEC championship, and so we need we need some upsets, even though there's not really a lot of upsets, the word upset's not really used in uh, baseball because everybody's got a good a good pitcher. Uh, so for those of you that will, will be uh, making the rounds this weekend uh, trying to keep up with everything, the uh, Mississippi State game for Saturday will be broadcast on the SEC network. so that's a two pm game on Saturday. that'll be on the network rather than the app. And you can watch it on the app if you want to. But it will be on your television. So if you want those kind of people, you don't you don't want to mess with all that. Uh, you you can do that. And then the Sunday game also broadcast on the network. So there you go. Well, folks, that's going to do it for today or for tonight. For the United Owls, you'll have an opportunity to go ahead and listen to the show. But uh, for the rest of you, enjoy your Friday. Wear a maroon today. And the next time you hear from me or you see, see of me, I will be... Uh, in Gainesville, Florida, covering uh, the Bulldogs. we we'll be in there for all three games, and uh, we'll have our normal coverage on Gene's page. Our team coverage is free. You can go by there and you can watch post-game video of Coach Lamonis and, and uh, you know different players, and then uh, we'll have the game story there for you. And then, of course, we'll have full coverage of everything else going on. Mississippi State will return to spring practice field uh, next weekend, so we'll have some football stuff as well all week long. Uh, so big times, big times for sure. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.